This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a hot, humid, oppressively hot, as a matter of fact, Wednesday afternoon, August 23rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. Hope you're keeping cool today. I'm Rob Hart. Reports indicate there were nearly 50 near collisions involving commercial aircraft last month. We'll explore what's being done about it in our next segment. But right now, expectations are extremely high ahead of the latest report from the AI chipmaker Maker NVIDIA, which comes after the bell today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Art, thank you for joining us today. This report from NVIDIA, their second quarter earnings report, has the potential to hit the uh, financial markets from a number of different angles. What is the most impactful in your mind? Well, clearly, Rob, I think the biggest is that uh, NVIDIA seems to be at the heart of all the hype around artificial intelligence. And there's a reason for that. But, you know, as goes NVIDIA, so go the rest of the Magnificent Seven. And clearly, as that group, that cohort goes, so goes the NASDAQ uh, Composite Index and the NASDAQ 100. So there's some importance there for sure. I think the reason NVIDIA is at the heart of all this is because they actually, after the last quarter, uh, after they reported the last quarter, they, they changed their revenue guidance by a remarkable $7 billion in total. So expectations of, are obviously very high. This is a stock that's up some you know, call it 200% year-to-date, but up 345% since the October low of last year. It's also important to remember, this stock in the last 12 months has been, been as low as 108, right? And, and so it has a lot of volatility involved in it, but I think it's, it's one of the use cases of artificial intelligence where we can already tell how it's going to be monetized because they are selling the picks and shovels to the gold miners, and clearly they have the early lead in terms of total addressable market for this artificial intelligence re- revolution. The rest of the tech sector is following NVIDIA's lead when it comes to AI. So if NVIDIA disappoints or they come in below expectations, uh, that would probably lead to a lot of reassessments in Silicon Valley and in Washington State. Sure. You know, I think that's, that's largely true. I think coupled with the fact that uh, Treasury yields have moved up a bit over the course of the last four or five weeks, which is always a, a risk off signal for technology stocks. So if you combine a miss from NVIDIA with the ongoing yields that are you know, higher than they've been in, in, in years, I, I certainly think that could play into what is seasonally a difficult time frame for uh, markets August and September. I don't expect NVIDIA to miss. I just think the demand for their chips is too high. I believe they're sold out for the year. So I, I, I suspect another blockbuster guide, and that guide's going to be in the order of magnitude of what we saw in the second quarter. So I'm less concerned about this. I'd be more concerned come Friday with what Chair Jay Powell has to say out in Jackson Hole. And then how much of this current market rally is underpinned by bets that advances in AI will lead to gains in productivity that could offset inflation? That is such a great question, Rob, and I think that really sits at the center of why we have an economy that continues to not roll over and die with a, a significant increase uh, in, in uh, interest rates and inflation that is slowly petering out. I think it's our increase in productivity now and what the potential is for the further increases in productivity in the future 
are really looking at a place where that's going to clearly be something that's disinflationary, but it's also going to be something that drives GDP growth. Because simply stated, GDP is just our workforce times our productivity. The more we increase productivity, the more economic activity we have as a country. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, near hits involving planes spark increased scrutiny of aviation safety. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Reports of more than four dozen close calls involving commercial aircraft last month. Has the FAA taken a closer look at safety? We're joined by Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Joe, thank you for joining us today. Uh, as far as the FAA concerned, what is their definition of a near collision, whether in the air or on the ground? Well, it varies, Rob. Unfortunately, uh, it's the same as a traffic accident on, on the roads. What one person might consider a near miss is is someone else's, you know, oh, no problem. But there's no question that the the possibilities on the ground seem worse. Airports are very complicated situations it's not it's not like the dan ryan where you have controlled access it's more like north michigan avenue without traffic lights um it's very complicated at airports there's a lot of opportunity that's where i would say 99 percent of the incidents are is landing and taking off at an airport we're talking to Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Uh, some notable incidents over the past uh, couple of months. A FedEx cargo plane cleared to ran, land on the same runway that a Southwest jet was preparing to take off in Austin, or a private plane taking off at Logan Airport in Boston while a JetBlue flight was preparing to land on a intersecting runway. Um, are we approaching the point where the law of averages will unfortunately catch up with somebody? Well, the problem, Rob, is that we haven't had an, an actual fatality on a, tr- on, a, on a flight in 14 years, an incident outside of Buffalo in 2009. And safety in flight tends to be reductive. People don't think about it or care about it until someone dies. So we've gone 14 years without an accident. Everybody shrugs their shoulders and say things must be working great. In fact, we are getting closer and closer And I would say pilots agree, flight attendants agree, air traffic controllers agree, airport guys agree that we're getting very close to where there will be an incident and we'll look back and say, gee, we could have avoided that. What are some of the intersecting factors here? Is this this an air traffic control staffing issue? Is this a too many planes in the sky issue? What's causing this? Well, I think we are at near record traffic again. Everything that all the traffic that went away during the pandemic has returned and a little more. So we do have more volume than before, but flights are still lower. There are two major issues. One are we don't have enough air traffic controllers, and that goes all the way back to 1981 when President Reagan fired the striking air traffic controllers, and we've never had a totally rebuilt core in in more than 40 years. Um, Most every airport, including O'Hare, and JFK and LAX and all the big ones don't have enough tra- air traffic controllers. The other problem is the chaos on the ground, at on runways, on approachways, at the airport. It, as I say, it's like North Michigan Avenue without traffic lights. The airports have been told to put these warning systems in place, and they haven't done it. So not enough people and then not enough uh, traffic lights. It's a, it's a 
possibly deadly combination. And then very quickly, Joe, we talk about the staffing crisis for air traffic controllers. I know this was a problem uh, 15 years ago as the air traffic controllers who were hired in the wake of the PATCO strike were reaching retirement age. How do you get new air traffic controllers into the system when you say that there's this, this is, it's a very stressful job? It's a very stressful job. The, the existing air traffic controllers are working virtually impossible hours. And when you work impossible hours, six days, double shifts, you're going to make mistakes. When you make mistakes, people die. The only way to fix this is to throw a lot of money at it, to hire a lot of people. And frankly, Congress hasn't been that interested. Failing that, we should at least demand that airports put in these warning systems that could help with some of the basic things, not a flight landing on top of another flight, but a potential of a crash between two flights going to the same runway that an air traffic controller missed. So if you don't have enough people, use the technology until you can get the people. Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the, the athletic footwear business, well, you can say it's stumbling. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Shoe seller Foot Locker and shoemaker Nike are seeing disappointing results. Let's take a closer look at the athletic footwear market with Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thank you for joining us today. What is slowing down the footwear market? Well, I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm running in Hocus now, not Nikes. And so even though I'd rather be Nike than Foot Locker, I understand that it can be pretty tough out there as there's more competition. A lot of people are running in on, you know, there's all kinds of things going on and the marketplace just isn't as demand in demand as it was during COVID when everybody had to have something to do outside on their own because they couldn't go do other things. And so the shoe market was actually stronger than anyone ever thought during COVID. And now we're kind of the, I'm going to the beach. I don't really need a pair of running shoes. We're setting records on people going through airports. So, you know, the consumer spending other places. There's more people in Europe vacationing this summer from America than there was in 2019. So there, there's other places to spend the money. That's part of the problem. Part of the problem is athletic in general. Dick's had a tough report this morning, too. It's just not as in demand as it was during COVID. And then inflation is eating up discretionary income. And the person who shops at Foot Locker is middle and down, not middle and up. So they're getting hit pretty hard by inflation. I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with Nike for sure. Foot Locker's clearly got a lot of work to do. And Mary Dillon is a person you'd like to bet on. But, you know, they've been struggling since before COVID, and they're still struggling. Matter of fact, they've been struggling since Ken Hicks left to run Sports Authority or uh, Academy Sports. And they haven't really gotten their mojo back together during this whole time period. And part of the problem is Nike, because, you know, they haven't been as supportive of Foot Locker as they had been prior to it. Nike can now sell directly to you. They can sell online they can sell through their own store and they can sell through the third-party players and they've kind of faded toward dicks as far as that so yeah stuff out there right now if you happen to be in that part of the land but the retailers in general when they reported here you know Abercrombie had great numbers Kohl's had pretty good numbers Macy's had pretty good numbers it's not like the consumer's gone 
but it's hard to get their dollar out of them right now on the discretionary side. We're talking with Jan Rogers Niffen. Uh, very quickly, when it comes to the sluggish recovery in China, how much of an impact is that having on Nike's bottom line that uh, you have a, a whole market of uh, reluctant sneakerheads on the other side of the world? Yeah, it's made it tough for Nike. It's made it tough for Estee Lauder because the same thing's going on in cosmetics over there. That just hasn't come back yet to the levels that we thought it might. It's come back some, but but it's not like it was in 2019. So that is going to be an issue going forward until something gets better in the Chinese markets. And, you know, that's a problem for anybody that's been doing business in Asia. Europe's come back pretty nicely. The U.S. is still holding up pretty well. But, yeah, Asia has not come back, and particularly China. Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The head of the Chicago Teachers Union talks about what's different in the new school year. Breaking news right now a plane crashes in Russia. All 10 on board are killed, and a key opposition leader was on the passenger manifest. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, dealing with the money aspects of divorce. Also on the financial front, a look at the value of dividend paying stocks. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 232 points. The Nasdaq is up 238. The S&P 500 is up 54. We have 93 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies with a heat index of 112. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, it's the weather and the impact on the first week of school. The head of the Chicago Teachers Union says conditions have changed for its members under a mayor that the Chicago Teachers Union and other unions help get elected. The story from WBBM's Mike Krauser. In previous years, there always seemed to be some controversy at the start of the school year. Today, the Teachers Union president, Stacey Davis-Gates, says is different. I am saying remarkably different than what they are. Look, you have an administration that privileges the voices of the people who are in the building. She noted that the current mayor worked with a previous union president to get air conditioners. In 2012, Karen Lewis was fighting to make sure that we had window units in every single classroom. And ironically enough, the mayor was on the front line organizing for those units as an organizer for the Chicago uh, Teachers Union at that time. And so um, he gets it, (laughs) is the bottom line. Look, we have an opportunity to be the collaborators and the partners that we've always wanted to be. That's not to say all is hunky-dory. Davis Gates says they're dealing with the legacy of neglect and underfunding. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. This just in the WBBM newsroom. Russian emergency officials say a business jet en route from Moscow to St. Petersburg crashed today, killing all 10 people on board. Officials say mercenary chief Chief Yevgeny Prigozhin was listed among the passengers, but it wasn't immediately clear if he was on board. Unconfirmed media reports said the jet belonged to Prigozhin, founder of the Wagner private military company, which staged a brief rebellion against Russian President Vladimir Putin in late June. Stay with WBBM for updates on this developing story. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you, 
and to bring your business home is Chuck Lieberman, Chief Investment Officer at Advisors Capital Management in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. Uh, after a, a, more than a week of market pressures, uh, they are staging a bit of a rally today. Uh, what is driving today's market rally? Well, I think a lot of it is interest rates and the Fed. Um, They have a big meeting uh, out in Jackson Hole. Uh, The market's nervous about that. Um, But interest rates are really too low, and the market, uh, the bond market, keeps on reacting to incoming data uh, and reacting, I would say, with some volatility. So when the data is strong, the market sells off. When uh, the data is a little weaker than expected, it rallies. Uh, And that's what happened today. Now, anyone who is getting a car loan or maybe trying to find a mortgage uh, would take issue with the idea that interest rates are too low. Uh, what does that mean in the, in the, in the, in the context of, of inflation? Well, it's a combination of inflation uh, that's driving it all uh, and Fed policy. Uh, so you can't look at where interest rates were a few years ago. They were extraordinarily low historically. Uh, we had uh, very strange conditions in the aftermath of the pandemic. Uh, so interest rates were really low as the Fed tried to stimulate the economy to overcome the pandemic. Uh, they do have to at some point return to normal. And normal depends on the rate of inflation. The Fed's objective, the target is 2%. We're running well above that something in the ballpark of four, depending upon how you measure it. And so uh, interest rates on 10-year treasuries uh, are just simply not offering all that much of a yield for investors at, uh, with that kind of inflation rate. We're talking to Chuck Lieberman in Ridgewood, New Jersey. A couple of reports that came out today, especially on the manufacturing sector, the services sector, and a potential, also a revision downward in some employment numbers. Uh, does all of that have the potential to reduce some of the inflationary pressures? Uh, yes and no. Uh, not the uh, downward revision to employment. Uh, that's going to uh, deal with uh, historical data, and they're, they're going to lower it by roughly 300,000. Uh, but the real problem is the pace of growth. Uh, we've seen a slowdown. It's in the ballpark of, let's say, 200,000 or slightly less than that. Our population and our growth in our labor force is around 50 to 100,000 per month. So, Yes, growth is slower. It is still too rapid. And that's why the unemployment rate, which is not going to get revised, is only around 3.5%. So there's still a tight labor market. And you hear that from businessmen all over the place. So that's what's uh, driving labor costs. We had a number of union contracts that were settled at very high numbers. Um, The auto workers are now Uh, negotiating with management. They're asking for big numbers also. It's hard to say that inflation is going away and therefore interest rates are, are too high. Chuck Lieberman, Chief Investment Officer with Advisors Capital Management based in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, dealing with the financial elements of divorce. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're looking at the challenges involved in divorce and some of the fundamentals in making a financial split. Let's get some help from Ed Jertson, Certified Financial Planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago, the 
website, engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. When you work in finance and you deal with math, there is a level of comfort in that, Ed. That's because the numbers are the numbers. However, when you're dealing with divorce, that's a very emotional proposition, and now you're in the middle of it. Uh, what, what, is, what is some advice that you want to give some couples uh, how they can get through a divorce without uh, torching their finances in the process? Well, that's a great framing, Rob, because, you know, it's so much easier said than done when it comes to divorce, because we've all heard or read stories of what happens when divorces get messy. And as you said, right, divorce can basically disrupt everything in your life, especially financially. And in my 30 years of doing this and guiding clients, there are few financially devastating circumstances than a divorce. And trying to approach this with a business-like approach rather than, as you said, an emotional approach can really help get individuals back on their financial footing and then look longer term to getting you know, yourselves basically finding financial stability. And there are a couple of places where uh, you should, like a checklist that you should run down of just some of the things you have to consider as you are going through this process, because divorce, at, at the very least, is an expensive proposition because you have to hire an attorney to guide you through the legal proceedings. And then you have to figure out how to split up the assets and you have this this acrimony just hanging in the air. Well, and that's a great that's a great point. The more acrimonious the divorce is, the more costly it's going to it's going to be. And ultimately, the folks who are going to make the most amount of money are going to be the attorneys. With all due respect to the divorce attorneys out there, and so again, trying to approach this in a business-like manner, like you said, math is math, and trying to trying to work your way through the process is really important. And I think for your listeners, one of the number one things to really consider is your team. Right? Obviously, having a good attorney, having a, a good tax professional, and a certified financial planner, because there's a lot of complicated issues that come about because of divorce. We're talking to Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Uh, When you and your partner decide that uh, a marriage is simply not tenable anymore, uh, what is the first thing you should do when it comes to trying to figure out how to uh, uh, financially divide assets? Well, and that's where the key is. So again, that's where good legal counsel to begin with is very helpful for both sides. But when it comes to the financial plan and the splitting of assets, especially when you start talking about retirement plans or IRAs, you have to make sure you're splitting those assets the way they should be split. So we're not incurring any undue taxes in that nature. So again, ultimately that team is really important. And then looking at trying to make this as amicable as possible, because remember, especially if there's young kids involved, this isn't something you're dealing with today, but all those milestones in the kids' lives that you're going to have to face each other, being as amicable as possible is helpful, especially up front when it comes to financing. What are the biggest challenges in your line of work when it comes to uh, splitting up retirement accounts and also uh, custody of pensions and, and who gets what when it's time to pay those benefits out? Yeah, again, trying to figure out what is the best way to split assets. And and again, that's where some negotiation, if you would come in, like who gets which asset and how, because if you can leave assets in place and utilize other assets, that's very, very effective without having to do things like uh, a quadro, qualified uh, domestic relations order and things like that. The more complicated it gets, 
the more issues you can in regards to, you know, making a misstep. I think most importantly, Rob, one of the things that we find when we're dealing with clients who've gone through divorce is making sure you've updated your estate plan, your wills, your powers of attorney for property and healthcare. And don't forget about those retirement accounts or insurance policies that have beneficiary designations. Make sure your current beneficiaries reflect your current situation. We see this time and time again, where accounts are forgotten and ex-spouses are listed as a beneficiary. Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, we put a spotlight on dividend stocks. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Dividend stocks are not necessarily sexy, and they don't get the attention of a lot of the market's high flyers do, but they're back in fashion, and they might be the perfect play in current market conditions. Joining us to explain is... Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Bill, thanks for joining us today. And during the Stock Picker Monday segment, uh, the winning quality that a lot of the uh, stock picking experts seem to point to is that it their their stocks tend to pay a nice little dividend, maybe four percent, five percent. What does that mean to you as an investor? Well, as an investor, I think it's really important, Rob, because, you know, something really interesting happened during COVID and during the pandemic, and that is for the first time in history, emerging markets have increased and blown past the uh, the group of seven nations like the UK, Germany, Japan, Italy. And so why I think important why dividends are really important for investors today is because I think we're going to be seeing slower growth out of the U.S. markets in the next several years. So while we're waiting for things to get better, while we're waiting for us to take care of our debt issues, I think investors have to count more on dividends than they are going to be getting out of growth, uh, considering that now we're competing more with the rest of the world. So let's say you invest in a dividend stock. It pays that dividend. And if you're uninitiated, you don't know how this works, uh, how do you get the dividend and what do you do with it? Well, there's things. I, there's some of our clients get their dividends and interest automatically uh, ACH'd or, or transferred to their checking account so they can live on the dividends. Or you can take those dividends and reinvest them, and it is part of your growth portfolio for the your growth strategy for the portfolio. I mean, we've been loving these emerging market exchange traded funds because they're paying about 6.7 percent in the dividend stream. And you get some upside appreciation to the market, but primarily it is a dividend strategy uh, for people who are looking for for extra income. And then, uh, what, what are some notes of caution, though, uh, if you want to uh, to explore this dividend strategy? I would imagine you have to do some math in your head about uh, growth potential versus what the dividend can pay you right now. Exactly right. I mean, it's always a balance between risk and reward. And as you know, Rob, there are no free lunches on Wall Street. So just when you sign up for dividend paying stocks, that might be a time where the market takes off and kind of leaves you a little bit behind. uh, And you're wishing that you would have stayed in in the stocks that you were invested in previously. On the other hand, if interest rates continue to increase, which I don't think they will, we're we're at the end of a Fed hiking series. If interest rates do increase, then those dividend companies are going to be competing uh, for that for the fixed income uh, part of someone's portfolio of the institutional money. So they, uh, in a higher interest rate, won't do as well, especially if we're increasing. But if we're decreasing or staying the same, then the dividend payments are our dividend stocks are going to do just fabulous in the next few years. 
Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Find him online, SenecalCapital.com. That's Senecal with a C. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, just go to our stream. Skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.